Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Why Are People Into That? I am your beleaguered host, Tina Horn. So, you know, I've already warned you, 2018 pod intros are going to be very lean. I'm developing some exciting fiction and also fighting the very real fallout of this devastating new congressional FOSTA-SESTA bill. And to be really honest, I am trying to keep my brain from short-circuiting. Self-care, burnout prevention, you support me. Okay, let's get down to showbiz. My guest for this episode is S. Bear Bergman. Now, Bear is one of my dearest friends, and this podcast is a little shorter than usual just because Bear is highly in demand, and when he's not rushing off to be super important, we're just, like, usually eating our weight in sushi, but I finally got him on the mic during his last visit, and he chose the very Bear Bergman topic of chivalry. And I have to say... It's really the kind of conversation you're only going to find on Why Are People Into That. So there's no part two of this one. This right here episode that you're listening to in your ears is the, is the whole convo. But don't panic. There's more episodes coming later this month. I'm going through my backlog of live recordings and getting them all cleaned up for you. But of course, not too clean. And now it's time to hear about what's happening at the Pleasure Chest this April. In addition to being your trusted neighborhood sex-positive sex toy retailer for nearly 50 years, the Pleasure Chest also offers community education and events. New Yorkers will not want to miss the April 11th workshop from the super babely L. Chase. That one is called Curvy Sex, and it's all about body positive positions to empower your sex life at any size. My LA listeners can check out Susanna Brisk's Uncovering Your Sexual Intuition, and that class is on Sunday, April 15th. Pleasure Chest events are free, and everything in the store, from nylon stockings to e-stim 10 units, is 15% off for attendees. To get all the info you need, check out PleasureChest.com slash events, and follow Pleasure Chest on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Alright, moving along, it is now Patreon shoutout corner time. I think at this point, I have now said all of your beautiful names on the show, so next time I'll, I'll start naming my newest patrons or anybody that upgrades their pledge. So, big, big hugs and so much thanks to Danny R., Onishi Press, Tim Lunning, Hawthorne Stewart, Peter Hall, Hunter Sodek, Andrew Gerza, Bex, 
Russell F., Jiz Lee, Alex Hunter, and the beautifully named Rococo Royale. All right, everybody, stick with me, stay subscribed, keep telling your friends about the show. Word of mouth is very important. If you haven't already, give me a quick review on Apple Podcasts to keep indie pervert media alive in these truly terrifying fucking times. To keep up to date, make sure you're following at Tina Horn's ass on Twitter and Instagram. Check in on tinahorn.net slash live for updates on where to find me in the flesh. All right, so here's me and S. Bear Bergman talking, why are people into chivalry? Bear Bergman, how's it hanging? <laughs> well, I kind of set you up. <laughs> Uh, I, when when you know someone can't resist, <laughs> the, the, we might have we might not even have enough time for the answer to that question. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I'm really glad that we're hanging in our sweatpants. Indeed. And I have, as I was just saying before we press record, I've been trying to get you on the show for time untold. Well, it's not because I haven't wanted to be on the show. It's because when we hang out, we get started talking about whatever, like, nerdy or political or social justice-y thing. And then three hours later, it's late. Yeah. We're like, oh, okay. It's probably too late to podcast now. True. We'll try again tomorrow. True. I really should just set up surveillance equipment in my apartment and just release or, like, live stream that. And make my millions that way. I mean... There's no ethical problem with that, right? Come over to my house. We'll eat goat brie. I, I think <laughs> that even with full disclosure and consent, a lot of the people that we know in common would happily come hang around on the couch. And for the price of a reasonably good goat brie <laughs> and a couple of beers, happily allow you to at least audio capture the conversation and stream it. Over the internet. My jig is so up. So up. So Bear, I can't imagine anyone listening to this not being familiar with your work. You're like, of all the professional queers I know, you're like, you're like the OG professional queer. You like pioneered being professionally queer. No, Kate Bornstein pioneered being professionally queer. True. And she was my mentor. So True. I'm like... Second, I'm second generation TNG. professionally <laughs> queer. I'm the, I'm yes, TNG. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm the, I'm the next generation. I learned it by watching her. You yeah. Know, m- mostly. Yeah. And to some degree, people like Holly Hughes mm. and Peggy Shaw mm. and, um, and then people who are more sort of pure artistic, like Tim Miller, mm. but the model where you could, make a living on identity politics as a queer and or trans person was definitely I took that page wholesale out of out of Kate's book and also especially with all of the people that you just described uh, so many of especially like Peggy Shaw and Holly Hughes are also performance artists like Mm -hmm. working in a in a like non- as non-traditional theater forms as perhaps their identities were also non-traditional, if right. you will. No, for sure. And not to like get too far away from the concept of chivalry, but I started doing theater. Like yeah. 
you know, properly solo This is solo so, you shows. know, which would surprise anyone who knows you. I know, it's a shock. <laughs> um, but I was doing solo shows, and then eventually, as time passed, I realized that although I could do solo shows, I was actually better as a sort of, you know, not quite lecturer, but also not quite storyteller, but also not quite comedian. Like, there's a tiny little space in the middle of that Venn diagram with those three circles, which is which is where I work. Um, when, you know. Yeah, when I think of you, I think of someone fitting into tiny spaces. <laughs> <clears throat> that is a different show. It's <laughs> not what we're talking about today. But no, for real, like, th- someone once described me after hearing me give a talk as being either the funniest lecture or the smartest stand-up comedy they'd ever heard. Nice. And I'm pretty sure that that person had never, like, heard Eddie Izzard Mm. or Kamau Bell do comedy, but even still, I found it a pleasing idea. And I started to sort of aim for that, that Mm. place where things I was enthusiastic or passionate about overlapped with things that I could make jokes about overlapped with things that I had complicated thoughts about. So your work combines lecturing and, in, you know, in like academia, as well as grassroots organizing, social justice activism sort of worlds, as well as writing. You are quite a prolific writer of books and articles and other such things. And... What? Yeah, and and then you're just like dapper about town, many towns. You're always on. You are like sort of always on the road. Not always on the road. You do a lot of road. I do a lot of going to the place to do the thing. Yeah, and now sometimes for flamingo rampant as well. Oh yes, I go and do like a new thing that I now do is school assemblies for little children, where we where I read them you know, queer, positive, and trans-positive children's picture books that are published by our press, Flamingo Rampant. And then I talk to them about families and bullying and answer their questions about making children's books, which is a hilariously delightful way to spend an hour. Cool. So, yeah, is there anything else about your work right now that you want people to know about before we dive into the topic at hand? I don't... That's... That's a lot of projects already. Yeah. I feel like, you know, people have the internet. (laughs) Yeah. If they're even more interested than that, it's all on there. Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, Mm sbearbergman.com, flamingorampant.com. You can type Bear Bergman into the Google and get a whole list of things that I have thought about and what other people think about the things that I have thought about. All it's, glowing. It's magic. No. <laughs> no, no. Not all glowing. Are you out there ruffling some feathers, I perhaps? Have, there is. Are you I, splashing in some people's puddles? I, I, may have, I may have ruffled a feather in my lifetime. Well, I love that about you, of course. And I am so excited that your suggestion that you made a long time ago about what you wanted to talk about on why are people into that is why are people into chivalry so let's let's start with what does chivalry mean to you well 
one of the things that I frequently have to start with is distinguishing between chivalry and courtesy. Mm. You know, even before that, I, I like to sort of talk about the fact that chivalry is has really gotten a bad name in part because there's a lot of like fedora wearing guys who run around non-consensually imposing their attention on women and then when those women rightfully and reasonably protest mm. that they're not interested mm. further attempt to both force their attentions upon that person but also shame them mm -hmm. by saying i'm just being chivalrous and if you were really a lady or i'm just being chivalrous and you know feminism's ruined everything or some i don't other... even know what to do right can like, i wear a fedora i mean you could rock a fedora like <laughs> let me just say but i you know i don't i there is a certain I mean, unfortunately, there are a lot of straight men, and we know this, right? But for for to say it out loud so that all of this falls within context, there are a lot of straight men for whom it's literally unimaginable that women or people of any other gender and sexual orientation that is not heterosexual and cis man get to, like consent to sexualized or sexual interactions and don't have to just accept whatever anybody says to them and can you know be counted upon but a hundred percent of the time to accurately report how much they are interested in someone else's attention often including zero zero percent interested more often than not and yeah. so the workshop that i teach about chivalry is actually called a reintroduction to the only mostly dead art of chivalry now with 200% more feminism <laughs> because I became so exhausted by all of these dudes who were running around, you know, trampling my etiquette fetish mm. and um, misusing the concepts and the word of chivalry as a way to accomplish their own plain, boring, endlessly repetitive, coercive slash oppressive behaviors. And, you know, when I get tired of something, I often get real tired of it. Mm. And uh, this is no exception. Um, so chivalry is a way to specifically break certain social norms or barriers in order to report your specific interest in or affection for a particular person at a particular time, right? Starting all the way back to the order of, you know, like knights and ladies would flirt with each other by doing tiny things that were not even necessarily readable to other people, but would, you know, allow them to communicate or gentlemen with a lot of social power would break the rules of class and social engagement in order to 
show some interest in or show some affection to someone who was of a lesser social standing, usually a woman. The history is long and some of it is terrible. You know, it also comes with the Spanish Inquisition, for example, and a lot of like really shitty colonization parts and some fairly terrible, you know, deeply misogynist stuff. So there's, like, no way to engage with the concept of chivalry without getting a little dirty in the history of all of that... Oppression? All of that oppression and all of that consolidation of political and social power. I I don't know if I've ever heard chivalry described as being a tradition that is about expressing interest or affection. I mean, basically the way that you're describing it is that chivalry is a system of codified verbal and nonverbal cues that reminds me of cruising. Basically like the way that you're talking about it sounds like cruising. I mean, in many ways that's, pretty much right so you're like i'm you're i'm imagining like lords and ladies like like ancient cruising i mean i'm even i'm thinking about like dropping handkerchiefs and stuff you know it's basically all about hankies i mean a a little right all the things like handkerchiefs have a long and storied history to be sure yeah you know i mean and you're definitely gonna hear from people who are you know sca geeks and things like that who are going to, you know, what is who that? are what is the Society for Creative Anachronism. Oh. They, like, get dressed up in their, you know, Renaissance or medieval outfits or whatever, and they go hit each other with, with foam swords and, oh, and like, do, like, um, like LARPing. handcrafts. And, yeah, some of them are LARPers. They go to Pensick. They do that whole thing. Yeah. And um, you're definitely going to get at least one email from that's full of capital letters from someone who's going to write to tell you all about how wrong I am about chivalry. I mean, but the truth is chivalry was a lot of different things at different times and it was different things, excuse me, in the hands of different people. Yeah. And so, you know, to the degree that it's available to talk about it, some individuals expanded their chivalrous behavior beyond the particular person that they wanted to get with Mm. but that was as far as i can tell really more the exception than the rule i am sort of like the prototypical skeptic that you are addressing with the name of your chivalry class right like i'm somebody who is like chivalry like you can't tell me what to do you know like you don't don't ruin your code i can go around that puddle i keep talking about puddles apparently today i'm sure that i have like left in my wake thousands of men attempting to hold doors open for me that i've just like pushed through doors without even noticing i have definitely had that experience of somebody being like why aren't you letting me treat you the way that i'm supposed to treat you lady but it's not it's why aren't you letting me treat you the way i want to treat you right which is very different no spoilers Mm. from why are you not letting me treat you the way you would like to be treated that's right right it's a very like one way street in those instances in a way that's not it's not cute imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. If you're a dedicated Wired People into that listener, then I know what's on your mind. Porno, vibrators, butt plugs, lube, bondage, and all the best pleasure products money can buy. So I'm ecstatic to tell you about a limited time offer from my friends at Adam and Eve. Go to adamandeve.com, pick out just about any item, and get 50% off your order. On top of that, you'll also receive three free adult DVDs plus a free mystery gift. Who doesn't love a sexy free mystery gift? Plus free shipping on your entire order. So go to adamandeve.com and use code PEOPLE at checkout. That's PEOPLE, P-E-O-P-L-E at adamandeve.com. Now back to the show. The thing about the sort of modern chivalry is that we don't actually need to do any of the things the way they were historically done because they were done right the whole thing is is pretty rotten so a historically there's a lot of problems with chivalry and there are also some things that people find really nice and fun and you know i'm queer like Queerly queer from Queertown. But I also mean, right, not just in terms of my sexual behaviors, but also in terms of my political orientation and my general belief that, you know, if I see something in heteronormative society that I think I could add a little dab of glitter to and make good use of, I'm going to take it and do what I want with it. Yeah. Because that's what queers have to do. That's a great definition of queerness. And it's basically our birthright. Like, nobody's going out of their way trying to make sure that queers have what we need. Not in terms of language, not in terms of social codes, not in terms of we're making up all of the things as we go. Or rites of passage or rituals, like we were talking about last night. Any of, yes, exactly. Any of those things. And so, from a queer perspective, through through a queer lens... I'm looking at the concept of chivalry and saying sometimes there are people who really want to be able to show through their deeds in a formalized or ritualized way how much they love or respect or are delighted by the person that they are with. And we need those things. And they're nice. They When they are conducted with the consent of all participants, they feel connecting and maybe a little silly, but also maybe a little sexy. And I'm a hundred percent in favor of taking whatever bits we can out of the ashes of history and making good use of it. However, it suits us to do so. You know, I came out as a butch. Mm. Um, 
and was raised as a butch largely by high femmes. Mm -hmm. Like, super fancified, completely self-possessed femmes who who wanted a queer kind of attention to match their queer presentation. And so I learned a thing to do. Yeah. Right. Like, so uh, also what I'm hearing from you is the idea of chivalry as ritualized, codified flirting oh yeah yeah but a kind of flirting that goes on and on and on right like Mm. i have i have had long relationships in my lifetime and i've had short ones and i think sometimes a thing that happens is that we flirt a lot at the beginning in the like getting to know you hi hello yeah phase and then also in the sort of part after that the like die without benefit of your touch phase you know where you're like so excited about someone that you would happily walk a mile to watch them dry dishes on a videotape (laughs) right yeah but then after that you kind of settle in a little bit right right Um, right and and one of the things about you know this queer kind of chivalry is that it it is ritualized, but that also means that you can carry it with you after the, you know, some of the other kinds of flirtation have kind of given way to what do you need from the store? And I bought you socks. And if we don't leave the house in five minutes, there's no way we're going to make it. And, you know, all of the things that kind of take over from, hello, I walked 11 blocks out of my way to bring you a sunflower because you remind (laughs) me of the sun. Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, Well, yeah. And what you're saying goes back to the idea of patriarchal, imperialist, colonialist oppression that I that I sort of always associated chivalry with or associated with chivalry right up until this conversation essentially which is the idea of like relationships I think a very heteronormative idea of relationships being about acquisition right so you like flirt to get the thing you want Mm -hmm. so you can possess it Mm -hmm. and then once you possess it like you don't need you don't you know you don't need any more bait. You know, you don't need any, you, you, you've, you've, you've got it. And then, but then maybe that urge is like displaced elsewhere. And then anyway. But think about it. Like when you see little old heterosexual couples, like in their, you know, seventies and eighties. Yeah. And you see like the guy is still helping the woman on with her coat. Does a part of you not think, Oh, Sure. Right. And because there's something there that is that is attentive to the connection between them, to that to that place of traction. Yeah. That I think I think gives a lot to any kind of a relationship, you know. So what is this is a show about sex, Bear. Right. So what is sexy 
about chivalry? I mean, I I think that that I think that 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 tension, mm-hmm. right? That place of like and I don't mean not tension, traction. How about that? That's I mean a tension, word. I mean uh, sexual right? tension. A bit yeah, of no, ten- tension tension sure, is but good. Also, like I but I don't mean, you know, where things are unsettled. I mean a place where they're like just pushing against each other a little bit. Right. So one of the things that's really fun, especially in a sort of queer concept of chivalry, which can be enacted by any genders of people. I don't mean like it's only for queers to use and straight people keep your hands off it. Also, like like little old straight ladies can help little old straight guys into their coats, too. They can. And that's part of the thing is that it's not it doesn't have to be gendered. It does have to be. You know, you but you do have sort of roles and anyone can take any role at any time. It's like, you know, gender free contra dancing or whatever, <laughs> except less sweaty and fewer banjos. But, you know, like you can do any of the parts at any time and, and people do. If somebody said this sounds great. I would like to practice being more chivalrous with my partner or my dates or when I am out at a dance party. What's what's an example of something that somebody could do? Well, so here's the thing, though. It actually requires both people. Right. So it's not a thing that one person can do. So your example of like blowing past a million people who've been trying to open the door for you is a good example. If two people who regularly engage in transactions of chivalry both approach a door at the same time one of them has to be able to get a little bit ahead and get to the door which means the other person has to hang back just slightly right. in order to make it happen right if one it's a little person dance. it's a little dance if one person wants to help someone else on with their coat it means that the other person has to wait and not reach for their own coat and then organize their body in such a way that they can be helped on with their coat rather than just sort of sticking their arm forward into the sleeve right it works smoothly when both people are working together in concert to make it happen do you know what this i it's so funny you're reminding me that I dated someone who had a whole thing about opening the passenger door of the car so he would be driving and he would park, jump out of the car to like race around to open the door for me. But as I have already characterized myself, I, oblivious to this for months, would just get my own ass out of the car until one day he was like, why do you always do that? You're like foiling my ability to open the door for you, which really speaks to what you were just saying about you need to be like speaking a common language in order to communicate and in order to express the thing that you want to express to one another, the care, the dirtiness, whatever it is, you you need to be on the same page. So like then once he said to me, I want to do this for you, it's fun for me. Then I was like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to like sit here. And then I would feel I enjoyed feeling like a princess because mm-hmm. then for me, it was like I was bestowing upon him the opportunity to do this thing that delighted him. Right. It wasn't that I felt entitled to that treatment. I learned how to give him a little gift. And Again, then it's I, hot and everybody's happy. You no, know, I always like to talk about 
sexy things that you can do in public that are not explicit and not like rubbing other people's faces either in your sexuality or your kink. Mm-hmm. But then you have like almost a thrill of exhibitionism and you're also making something that could potentially be completely ordinary, mundane, everyday into you're giving it like a frizzle. Yes, absolutely. I mean, and imagine if the first time instead of like jumping out of the car and racing around and being disappointed for months, imagine if the first time he had just like reached over and And put his hand on your thigh and said, just a minute. Let me come around. Yeah, just just right? stay still. Yeah, I mean he was an asshole, so I mean <laughs> Right. And there's there's no there's no accounting for that in, in these situations. But the the whole the whole point is that it has to be in order for it to really flow, in order to have that like sexy little spark of of being in concert. Mm. It has to be not only consensual, but also communicative. And Mm. you see it, you know, in butch femme couples and you see it Mm. in queer couples of lots of different genders and you see it in people who do DS. Like I know like domination and submission. submission, Yes. You know, I know dominance who will say I never expect to touch a door handle. Yeah. Yeah. And you see that they and their person who might be walking a half a step behind mm, mm-hmm. will, especially in like high protocol cases, right, right. will approach a door and three steps away, something happens mm. where the, where the submissive gets just a little quicker and just a little longer. Yeah. Yeah. And the dominant gets just a little slower and just a little more, self-contained and very fluidly the door opens and when it's pulled back she's in exactly the right place to not like get hit by the door or whatever and she sails through without breaking stride and the the submissive falls into step right behind her yeah and it's it's as it is as fluid as a dance step as soon as a word came into my head, you used it. You're also talking about protocol here. Mm-hmm. Like in, in terms of in terms of the, you know, it seems that anyone could practice this chivalry in this way, whether you consider yourself kinky or not. But if you are exploring any form of BDSM, that this kind of protocol where you agree upon anything from the way that you're going to have intercourse to the way that you're going to do bondage or impact play to the way that you are going to behave in public. Again, this is a way that you can explore power exchange in public that's not like everybody dressing up in latex and leading everybody else around on a leash in Central Park, right? This is a way to bring the excitement of a power exchange to everyday occurrences for sure in in public and private or we can't always wear our latex outfits i mean i'm just gonna like split mine right open as much as much (laughs) i don't have that kind of latex budget no nor i this reminds me of another story which is that as i have established i am not somebody who i mean i just found uh an image on the internet that 
I immediately posted on Instagram and also made like the lock screen image on my phone, which is a billboard that says be polite and someone had spray painted go fuck yourself underneath it. I feel I feel very I feel very much like I am I am the spray painter. I'm like, don't 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 tell me. Don't tell me to be polite. If I want to I'm going to be polite for my own reasons, not because you told me to be. I mean, I think that's fair and also <laughs> speaks to your slightly contrarian nature. Slightly. But also I think that there's a difference between politeness and courtesy. Please tell me the difference. Well, I just, you know, to be polite is to avoid ruffling feathers or making a scene to make sure that everything stays at a sort of standard American television, white people. Bourgeois. Well, just like, you know, that there's an emotional, that there's an acceptable emotional register and that it is the job of people, but also, let's be honest, mostly women. Right. To do whatever emotional labor is necessary to to keep everybody in that band of acceptable, reasonably calm, emotional affect. Yes, right? you're right. That is the the thing that gives me hives. And that so I'm responding I think it's to. very yeah. reasonable yeah. that it yeah. would give you hives. Yeah. Because it it puts a lot of burden on people who are typically already burdened mm. to not disrupt, you know, by by disempowerment, to not interrupt the status quo. Right. And to instead sort of mash down their own whatever about anything <laughs> in order to be sure that everyone stays you know, in a place of plausible deniability that they're having feelings. Uh-huh. And I'm not, you know, I, I join you. In, I know you do. In feeling pretty uh, suspicious of that entire concept. Courtesy, however, however yeah. I, I, I really appreciate opportunities to be courteous. And I think that courtesy is, a, is the action of looking out for other people. Consideration compassion the c kindness which isn't a c word but has the same sound (laughs) but all of those things you know i've i have three children and and one of the sort of if you ask the well at least the younger two what is the number one rule Mm. they will say look out for everyone littler than you and we started that because when my eight-year-old was like two or three they were like a total little powerhouse i mean they still are but like yeah much more sort of steady and sturdy than some of the other children of their age Mm. and they would go in the bounce castle and just lay waste to the other toddlers (laughs) and not on purpose no but just like that child playing at full capacity was significantly more capacious than that of some of the other people of the same and even slightly older years and so Mm. we sort of had to say you know it's your job to look out for everyone who's Mm. littler than you yeah and you know we've expanded that over time to be not just like physically smaller but also having less agency having less power all of those things yeah and you know but also really giving the message that like look out for all the other people Like, just in general, look out for what other people are needing. The thing that is 
challenging for children about learning to be careful of the littler children isn't the part about being careful. It's the part about noticing who's around you. Right. Right. Like my child would never walk up to a littler child and knock them over. Mm. Thank God. Right. But if like everybody's bouncing around, the challenge is learn to be paying attention to who's around you, which is one of the primary ingredients of courtesy. Mm. When you're when you approach the door and somebody else approaches the door and they have their arms full of parcels or they're using a mobility aid or they're whatever, or you just like want to hold the door open because you got there first. Yeah. You have to know if there are people around you. Well, Bear, I know that we could keep riffing on this for a really long time, but in conclusion, if you could give people one piece of advice about how to bring chivalry into their lives in a sexy way, what would it be? If it's transactional, if Mm. both or all of the people involved are participating not only will it be seamless, it, it will often be at least a little sexy. You know, there are people with whom I have long, long, loving histories. And even after the time where we might have been having sex or even the time where we might have been more actively flirting has passed and we have settled into cozy and and calm friendship there are the moments that sometimes still give me that little like pop rocks feeling (laughs) are the ones where we are moving just right Hmm. to do some little bit of daily business you sort of remember like right this is a This is a way that we're together in a very specific and physical way. And it's and it's great. Wow, that sounds sexy and also really romantic. I I like the idea of it also bringing romance into into friendships, even when they are platonic or become platonic over time. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. really that's really beautiful. Bear. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I hope that you will come back and we can talk about other sexy things too. Absolutely. I would love that. This has been so much fun. Awesome. I'll see you soon. Yay. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.